Chapter Twenty Seven of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Twenty Seven. Captain and Mrs. Two, Pork. We go to Plymouth and fall in with our old captain. I immediately took leave of my family and set off for Portsmouth and in two days arrived at the fountain inn where o'brien was waiting to receive me peter my boy i feel so much obliged to you that if your uncle won't go out of the world by fair means i'll pick a quarrel with him and shoot him on purpose that you may be a lord as i am determined that you shall be now come up into my room where we'll be all alone and i'll tell you all about the ship and our new captain in the first place we'll begin with the ship as the most important personage of the two she's a beauty i forget her name before she was taken but the french know how to build ships better than keep em she's now called the sanglier which means a wild pig and by the powers a pig ship she is as you will hear directly the captain's name is a very short one and wouldn't please mr chucks consisting only of two letters t and o which makes two his whole title is captain john too it would almost appear if somebody had broken off the better half of his name and only left him the commencement of it but however it's a handy name to sign when he pays off his ship and now i'll tell you what sort of a looking craft he is he's built like a dutch shoit great breadth of beam and very square tuck he applied to have the quarter galleries enlarged in the last two ships he commanded he weighs about eighteen stone rather more or less he is a good-natured sort of chap amazingly ungenteel not much of an officer not much of a sailor but a devilish good hand at the trencher but he's only a part of the concern he has his wife on board who is a red herring sort of a lady and very troublesome to boot what makes her still more annoying is that she has a piano on board very much out of tune on which she plays very much out of time holy stoning is music compared with her playing even the captain spaniel howls when she comes to the high notes but she affects the fine lady and always treats the officers with music when they dine in the cabin which makes them very glad to get out of it but o'brien i thought wives were not permitted on board very true but there's the worst part in the man's character he knows that he is not allowed to take his wife to sea and in consequence he never says she is his wife or presents her on shore to anybody if any of the other captains ask how mrs two is to-day why he replies pretty well i thank you but at the same time he gives a kind of smirk as if to say she's not my wife and although everybody knows that she is yet he prefers that they should think otherwise rather than be at the expense of keeping her on shore for you know peter that although there are regulations about wives there are none with regard to other women but does his wife know this inquired i i believe from my heart that she is a party to the whole transaction for report says that she would skin a flint if she could she's always trying for presents from the officers and in fact she commands the ship really o'brien this is not a very pleasant prospect whist wait a little now i come to the wind-up this captain too is very partial to pig's meat and we have as many live pigs on board as we have pigs of ballast the first lieutenant is right mad about them at the same time he allows no pigs but his own on board that there may be no confusion the manger is full of pigs 
there are two cow pens between the main deck guns drawn from the dockyard and converted into pig pens the two sheep pens amidships are full of pigs and the geese and turkey coops are divided off into apartments for four sows in the family way now peter you see there's little or no expense in keeping pigs on board of a large frigate with so much pea-soup and whole beans for them to eat and this is the reason why he keeps them for the devil a bit of any other stock he has on board i presume he means to milk one of the old sows for breakfast when the ship sails the first thing that he does in the morning is to go round to his pigs with the butcher feeling one scratching the dirty ears of another and then he classes them his bacon pigs his porkers his breeding sows and so on the old boar is still at the stables of this inn but i hear he is to come on board with the sailing orders but he is very savage and is therefore left on shore to the very last moment now really peter what with the squealing of the pigs and his wife's piano we are almost driven mad i don't know which is the worst of the two if you go aft you hear the one if you go forward you hear the other by way of variety and that i say is charming but is it not shocking that such a beautiful frit should be turned into a big sty and that her main deck should smell worse than a muck heap but how does his wife like the idea of living only upon hog's flesh she lord bless you peter why she looks as spare as a shark and she has just the appetite of one for she'll boil a four-pound piece of pork before it's well put on her plate have you any more such pleasant intelligence to communicate o'brien no peter you have the worst of it the lieutenants are good officers and pleasant messmates the doctor's a little queer and the purser thinks himself a wag the master an old north countryman who knows his duty and takes his glass of grog the midshipmen are a very genteel set of young men and full of fun and frolic i'll bet a wager there'll be a bobbery in the pigsty before long for they are ripe for mischief now peter i hardly need to say that my cabin and everything i have is at your service and i think if we could only have a devil of a gale of wind or a hard-fought action to send the pigs overboard and smash the piano we should do very well the next day i went on board and was shown down into the cabin to report my having joined mrs two a tall thin woman was at her piano she rose and asked me several questions who my friends were how much they allowed me a year and many other questions which i thought impertinent but a captain's wife is allowed to take liberties then she asked me if i was fond of music that was a difficult question as if i said that i was i should in all probability be obliged to hear it if i said that i was not i might have created a dislike in her so i replied that i was very fond of music on shore when it was not interrupted by other noises Ah then i perceive you are a real amateur mr simple replied the lady captain too then came out of the after-cabin half-dressed well youngster so you've joined at last come and dine with us to-day and as you go down to your berth desire the sentry to pass the word for the butcher i want to speak with him i bowed and retired i was met in the most friendly manner by the officers and by my own messmates who had been prepossessed in my favour by o'brien previous to my arrival in our service you always find young men of the best families on board large frigates they being considered the most eligible class of vessels i found my messmates to be gentlemen with one or two exceptions but i never met so many wild young lads together i sat down and ate some dinner with them although i was to dine in the cabin for the sea air made me hungry don't you dine in the cabin simple said the caterer 
yes replied i then don't eat any pork my boy now for you'll have plenty there come gentlemen fill your glasses we'll drink happiness to our new messmate and pledging him we pledge ourselves to try and promote it i'll just join you in that toast said o'brien walking into the midshipman's berth what is it you're drinking it in some of collier's port sir boy bring a glass for mr o'brien here's your health pater and wishing you may keep out of a french prison this cruise mr montague as caterer i beg you will order another candle that i may see what's on the table and then perhaps i may find something i should like to pick a bit off here's the fag end of a leg of mutton mr o'brien and there's a piece of boiled pork then i'll just trouble you for a bit close to the knuckle pater you dine in the cabin so do i the doctor refused have you heard when we sail mr o'brien inquired one of my messmates i heard at the admiral's office that we were expected to be ordered round to plymouth and receive our orders there either for the east or west indies they thought and indeed the stores we have taken on board indicates that we are going foreign but the captain's signal is just made and probably the admiral has intelligence to communicate in about an hour afterwards the captain returned looking very red and hot he called the first lieutenant aside from the rest of the officers who were on deck to receive him and told him that we were to start for plymouth the next morning and the admiral had told him confidentially that we were to proceed to the west indies with a convoy which was then collecting he appeared to be very much alarmed at the idea of going to make a feast for the land crabs and certainly his gross habit of body rendered him very unfit for the climate this news was soon spread to the ship and there was of course no little bustle and preparation the doctor who had refused to dine in the cabin upon plea of being unwell sent up to say that he felt himself so much better that he should have great pleasure in attending the summons and he joined the first lieutenant o'brien and me as we walked in we sat down to table the covers were removed and as the midshipman prophesied there was plenty of pork mock turtle soup made out of a pig's head and a boiled leg of pork and peas pudding a roast spare rib with a crackling on sausages and potatoes and pig's petitos i cannot say that i disliked my dinner and i ate very heartily but a roast sucking pig came on as a second course which rather surprised me but what surprised me more was the quantity devoured by mrs too she handed her plate from the boiled pork to the roast asked for some petitos tried the sausages and finished with a whole plateful of sucking pig and stuffing we had an apple pie at the end but as we had already eaten apple sauce with the roast pork we did not care for it the doctor who abominated pork ate pretty well and was excessively attentive to mrs too will you not take a piece of the roast pig doctor said the captain why really captain too as we are bound by all reports to a station where we must not venture upon pork i think i will not refuse to take a piece for i am very fond of it how do you mean inquired the captain and his lady both in a breath perhaps i may be wrongly informed replied the doctor but i have heard that we were ordered to the west indies now if so every one knows that although you may eat salt pork there occasionally without danger in all tropical climates and especially the west indies two or three days living upon this meat will immediately produce dysentery which is always fatal in that climate indeed claimed the captain you don't say so rejoined the lady oh i do indeed and have always avoided the west indies for that very reason i am so fond of pork the doctor then proceeded to give nearly one hundred instances of best mates and shipmen who had been attacked with dysentery from the eating of fresh pork in the west indies 
and o'brien perceiving the doctor's drift had joined him telling some most astonishing accounts of the dreadful effects of pork in a hot country i think he said that when the french were blockaded previous to the surrender of martinique that having nothing but pigs to eat thirteen hundred out of the seventeen hundred soldiers and officers died in the course of three weeks and the others were so reduced by disease they were obliged to capitulate the doctor then changed the subject and talked about the yellow fever and other diseases of the climate so that by his account the west india islands were but hospitals to die in those most likely to be attacked were men in full strong health the spare men stood a better chance this conversation was carried on until it was time to leave mrs too at last quite silent and the captain gulping down his wine with a sigh when we rose from the table mrs too did not ask us as usual to stay and hear a little music she was like her piano not a little out of tune by the powers doctor you did that nately said o'brien as we left the cabin o'brien said the doctor oblige me and you mr simple oblige me also by not saying a word in the ship about what i have said if it once gets wind i shall have done no good but if you both hold your tongues for a short time i think i may promise you to get rid of captain too his wife and his pigs we perceived the justice of his observation and promised secrecy the next day the ship sailed for plymouth and mrs too sent for the doctor not being very well the doctor prescribed for her and i believe on my conscience made her worse on purpose the illness of his wife and his own fears brought captain too more than usual in contact with the doctor of whom he frequently asked his candid opinion as to his own chance in a hot country captain too said the doctor i never would have given my opinion if you had not asked for it for i am aware that as an officer you would never flinch from your duty to whatever quarter of the globe you may be ordered but as you have asked the question i must say with your full habit of body i think you would not stand a chance of living for more than two months at the same time sir i may be mistaken but at all events i must point out that mrs too is of a very bilious habit and i trust you will not do such an injustice to an amiable woman as to permit her to accompany you thank ye doctor i am much obliged to you replied the captain turning round and going down the ladder to his cabin we were then beating down the channel for although we ran through the needles with a fair wind it fell calm and shifted to the westward when we were abreast of portland the next day the captain gave an order for a very fine pig to be killed for he was out of provisions mrs too still kept her bed and he therefore directed that a part should be salted as he could have no company i was in the midshipman's berth when some of them proposed that we should get possession of the pig and the plan they agreed upon was as follows they were to go to the pen that night and with a needle stuck in a piece of wood to prick the pig all over and then rub gunpowder into the parts wounded this was done and although the butcher was up a dozen times during the night to ascertain what made the pig so uneasy the midshipman passed the needle from watch to watch until the pig was well tattooed in all parts in the morning watch it was killed and when it had been scalded in the tub and the hair taken off it appeared covered with blue spots the midshipman of the morning watch who was on the main deck took care to point out to the butcher that the pork was measly to which the man unwillingly assented stating at the same time that he could not imagine how it could be for a finer pig he had never put a knife into the circumstance was reported to the captain who was much astonished the doctor came in to visit mrs too 
and the captain requested the doctor to examine the pig and give his opinion. Although this was not the doctor's province, yet as he had great reason for keeping intimate with the captain, he immediately consented. Going forward, he met me, and I told him the secret. "'That will do,' replied he. "'It all tends to what we wish.' The doctor returned to the captain and said that there was no doubt but that the pig was measly, which was a complaint very frequent on board ships, particularly in hot climates where all pork became measly, one great reason for their proving so unwholesome. The captain sent for the first lieutenant, and, with a deep sigh, ordered him to throw the pig overboard. But the first lieutenant, who knew what had been done from O'Brien, ordered the master's mate to throw it overboard. The master's mate, touching his hat, said, aye aye sir and took it down into the berth where we cut it up salted one half and the other we finished before we arrived at plymouth which was six days from the time we left portsmouth on our arrival we found part of the convoy lying there but no orders for us and to my great delight on the following day the diomede arrived from a cruise off the western islands i obtained permission to go on board with o'brien and we once more greeted our messmates Mr. Falcon, the first lieutenant, went down to Captain Savage to say we were on board, and he requested us to come into the cabin. He greeted us warmly and gave us great credit for the manner in which we had effected our escape. When we left the cabin, I found Mr. Chucks, the boatswain, waiting outside. My dear Mr. Simple, extend your flapper to me, for I'm delighted to see you. I long to have a long talk with you. And I should like it also, Mr. Chucks, but I am afraid we have not time. I dine with Captain Savage today, and it only wants an hour of dinner-time. Well, Mr. Simple, I've been looking at your frigate, and she's a beauty, much larger than the Diomede, and she behaves quite as well, replied I. I think we are two hundred tons larger. You've no idea of her size until you are on her decks. I should like to be boatswain of her, Mr. Simple, that is, with Captain Savage, for I will not part with him." i had some more conversation with mr chucks but i was obliged to attend to others who interrupted us we had a very pleasant dinner with our old captain to whom we gave a history of our adventures and then we returned on board End of chapter twenty seven